What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three archaeologists that partake in the occasional necessary killing when possible. I'm Matt Johnson, and I think this episode belongs in a museum. I'm Keith Baker, and I said no camels. And I'm Austin Terry, and based on Indiana Jones's accent, I would have never expected Henry Jones Sr. to be Scottish. On today's show, of course, we're talking about the Indiana Jones franchise so far. Dial of Destiny has, like, is one of those movies that we've heard about for years and years, like back when it was just called Indiana Jones 5. I think it was like originally supposed to come out in like 2020 or 2021. And then they kept filming, they kept delaying all that jazz. And it is finally coming out this week. So we are revisiting the previous entries of the franchise to figure out what we like, what we don't and everything in between. You might say this episode is our version of finding our fortune and glory. But before we break all these movies down, what is the one thing you would all trek out to find? What mythical or real relic do you want to find and get credit for? Yeah, I think I would take Indiana Jones with me on this journey. So I'd call up Mr. Harrison Ford and I would just want to go into the vault where the Sony and Marvel Spider-Man contract is hidden. Mm. And I would want to read that fine print because I saw that Craven the Hunter trailer this week and it begs the question, where's Spider-Man in all these movies? Well, if we're going in that direction, Austin, I'll follow you there into the movie business. I think I want to take Harrison Ford, too. And, um... We go together, if it's Lucasfilm or whatever, and we're going to find out what happened with that last trilogy in Star Wars. Well, he's actually, I don't know if you want to take Indiana Jones, but you definitely want to take Harrison because he's friends with George, <laughs> so he could just call him up and ask him. Do you guys remember when he did a cameo in Rise of Skywalker? Do you think he remembers that? <laughs> I was drunk that day. They paid me $2 million to be there for... Probably, <laughs> at least. All right, well, you guys had some good answers. I feel like mine is kind of lame, but I guess there's a caveat, but you know what? I'm not taking Harrison on mine. I'm taking my boy Indy. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were taking your boy Mutt. <laughs> well, I'll, well, technically, <laughs> Mutt, based on the ending of my favorite of the franchise, Crystal Skull, they are teasing that he's going to take over, even though he's not in the new one. So <laughs> I'll take Mutt as well. I'm going to take Indy and Mutt, the father-son pairing. Probably the best father-son pairing in the franchise as well. <laughs> and we're going to go find the Lost City of Atlantis. And I know all you crazy indie diehard fans like me know, yes, there was an original Xbox game where Indiana Jones found Atlantis. But guess what? I want to see it in live action. And I have to I have to be a part of this journey. Are you taking Jason Momoa with you too? Um, No, he's he actually <laughs> is too drunk. <laughs> so he's not available. <laughs> I think after we get back from finding Atlantis, maybe the post credit scene of our journey slash film could be the Indy Mutt and Me, which is also the name of the movie. It's called Indy Mutt and Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually go on set of The Flash while they're filming the post credit scene with Jason Momoa, where he's just comically, he's I don't know himself. if that's the right word. He's just drunk. <laughs> he's just drunk the entire time and falling over. And we would try and figure out what the thought process was there. I think in the post-credit scene in my movie, it would just be Harrison Ford looking at the camera and going, what the hell's a Madam Web? <laughs> the post-credit of Keith's would be, wait, how many of these have I been in? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, with that, we have a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Austin and Keith, how about we start super generally? What are your thoughts on the Indiana Jones franchise up until this point, now that we've just finished a fresh rewatch? Yeah, I'm really happy we did this rewatch uh, because I thought I had seen all of these movies exactly once and That's I right. came to discover I was very wrong. I had only ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Whoa! What? So it was my first time seeing Temple of Dune and my first time seeing The Last Crusade. Oh my gosh. Returning to Raiders of the Lost Ark, I was like, man, this is good. I'm excited to get into this franchise. And then I start Temple of Dune and I'm like, oh no. Do I have another George Lucas situation on my hand where everybody thinks this franchise is amazing, but in reality, they've only ever made one good movie? I was shocked to find out it was the same cast and crew, same everything carrying over from the first movie. It feels like a, just a totally different like scenario and just not part of the same franchise. And then they just knocked it out of the park with The Last Crusade. Last Crusade may be up there with like one of the best movies I've ever seen. I had a Hell blast yeah. with The Last Crusade. And then I go into Crystal Skull and I was like, uh-oh. Is this another trend where every other movie is bad? And on the Crystal Soul rewatch, I got to say, up until the last 19 minutes of the movie, it's a blast. And then it just okay. gets nonsensical. So overall, I had a great time with this rewatch. I think only one of these is like 
actually bad. Everything else is good and fun. Harrison Ford's amazing. And I am so pumped now for Dial of Destiny. Yeah, Austin, I, I, I like that take a lot. I think I'm in almost full agreement with you there. I don't think I'm hating on Temple of Doom as much as you, but it's definitely probably the weaker in the franchise for me. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, I think it's definitely a good one to start off the franchise with. But with you, Austin, yeah, Last Crusade, I think, is one of the, one of the best movies ever made. Um, I still will stand by that until the end of time. I mean, it's, oh, man, it's just so fun. All the action's good. All the new characters they introduce are fun. And then going into Crystal Skull, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think Crystal Skull is fun and really good. And then it's just, at the end, it just has kind of a, a weird twist where you're like, was this, did they really need to go this far with it? They should have just left it at Aliens. They, they say it's Aliens, and they're like, actually, we're going to a new dimension. It's like, whoa! Yeah. And then the credits roll. <laughs> But yeah, the whole alien thing is just comical at the end where you're just like, oh my God, this is so stupid. But still, I still, had a, I still have a good time with Crystal Skull though. So yeah, all these movies are fun. Um, Harrison Ford, I think this is, this is his best franchise. We were joking earlier, but him and Han Solo and Star Wars, I think this, this is his stuff. This is his baby and I can't wait to uh, go see Dial of Destiny. Yeah, I'm not too far off of you guys. I guess there's a couple... I would say probably two key differences in my opinion, but ultimately I'm right there with you. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, it's a classic and it's a classic for a reason. Um, I think it's it's a movie that, I don't know, It's it, I don't think I like it more on every rewatch, but I just it just maintains its status for me. I just think it's an absolute blast. The acting's great. I love the characters. There's some iffy parts here and there, of course, that don't really hold up so well. That's kind of a key thing for the franchise as a whole, though, I would say. <laughs> but um, it, it really is just a like, – it's like a globetrotting adventure. It kind of gives you the high highs that you get from the Bond movies. And I think there is a lot of like um, key elements that the Bond movies and uh, these movies share. I think that was probably done on purpose, that kind of whole serial nature. The main difference that I have is surprisingly, and I'm excited to talk about this one in particular. Uh, like I said, w with Raiders, it's not, I don't really like it more when I rewatch it. I just still love it when I watch it. Uh, but Temple of Doom, I actually like more and more, I think, each time I watch it. I don't think it's better than Raiders or Last Crusade or anything, but I, I, I find a lot to like in it. There is a lot to dislike, but I do like quite a bit of it. I, I'll, I guess I'll. Hold my thoughts when we get into the nitty gritty of it. But um, yeah, there's something about that one that's really cool. I understand um, the nitpicks people have and kind of not even just nitpicks, but the actual criticisms. But I guess I, I like the darker nature of it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts on that one. But I mean, Last Crusade, that, that's my favorite, too. I, I have to agree there. Um, they course corrected after Temple of Doom wasn't received as well. And they went back to the well a little too much from Raiders. Spielberg has talked about that was intentional, did it on purpose. But um, fuck it. I, I, th I think it works. I, I love that movie so much. Introducing the father-son element, uh, putting that at the core of the story while still having kind of that globe-charting thing and still going after a really cool MacGuffin with the Holy Grail. Um, what a movie. One of my all-time favorites as well. And Crystal Skull, I also kind of agree with just the small caveat that I think it falls apart sooner than just the ending. For me, it's more of a first half I surprisingly like a lot. And then the second half is where I'm like, eh, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about it. But that doesn't take away from the first half. And I think if people went back and watched Crystal Skull before Dial of Destiny, I think a lot of people would be on that same page as us. I think they would either be like, wow, this first half is pretty good. Or they would even be uh, closer to you guys. We're like, ah, wow, I like the first like three quarters of this. So there's there's a lot to like in it. It's just the bad in that movie is probably the worst of the franchise. And I think that's why it is my least favorite, um, but still not terrible. So overall, I think that makes for a pretty solid franchise. Yeah, I think the other thing worth calling out with this franchise is just the set design and how well this stuff holds up. Um, obviously, Crystal Skull is more CGI heavy, but uh the original trilogy, you guys know I sometimes struggle with these older movies when they don't look good, and these movies are insane. They don't. They, maybe they feel old because of some of the writing, but they don't feel old because of the set design or the effects. It all still looks great and, and holds up today, and I think that's just a testament to Spielberg and Lucas and everybody involved because um, this stuff looks incredible. And I actually think in the set design in Temple of Dune is some of the best of the franchise, 
Um, mm-hmm. Just the story they told, I thought was a bit nonsensical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit comical. Yeah, Temple of Doom's always been. It's definitely been the weaker of the original three for me. I guess I, w- I would probably tie it with Crystal. Actually, I don't know. I think Crystal Skull might be a little bit over Temple for me. I don't know. That's something I have to decide. It might be. They might be. Tied. I mean, yeah. Temple of Dune is the lowest for me, and it's probably the lowest on like out of every movie I've ever seen. For me, I thought this movie was pretty bad. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> see, for me, it's just it's just a constant. It's like one of those. Every time I see it, it doesn't change. It doesn't change for me. I don't. I don't like it any less or any more. Like you said with Raiders, Matt. Um, it's always been the constant. But yeah, there is some, there's one, this rewatch though, this particularly rewatch, I guess I was paying attention more to, so, you know, since I knew we were doing a podcast on it, I was paying attention more than I usually do because I watch, I watch these almost every year or every couple years. And so sometimes they're just kind of on in the background, but I was paying attention more. I was like, eh, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know why they had to put that in there. Yeah. Lots of pervy moments, lots of questionable things. But again, <laughs> I think there's uh, some things we could talk about. Uh, with all of the movies. <laughs> Did you guys know that uh, Indy and his dad, Henry Jones Jr., are Eskimo brothers with a Nazi doctor? <laughs> wow, you yeah. actually uh, stole my award for this episode, but they are both getting the Arnie's Podcast Award of Eskimo brothers because they both share intimate relations with the women and they're fine with it. And uh, honestly, it speaks more to Henry Jones Sr.'s character because of that age gap. <laughs> yeah, they are strangely fine with it. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure everybody out there, you've seen the Indiana Jones movies. We've already started throwing out references and spoilers technically. So this is a weird one. But I guess, you know, if you're somehow excited for Dial of Destiny without having seen the other ones for the like few, me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true, actually. Uh, so if you are somebody that used to be like Austin that had not seen these movies, go check them out. You know, they're classics. Uh, you'll probably not like Temple of Doom as much as the others, like everybody else, including myself, even though I like it. Uh, but go check them out and then come on back to listen to the rest of our kind of retrospective and review episode. That way you'll be fully prepared for Dial of Destiny. But with that, Let's get into it, guys. And if we spoiled the Eskimo Bros reveal for you, uh, we apologize. (laughs) What a reveal. (laughs) All right, everybody. Welcome to Spoiler Territory. Austin and Keith, as always, let's get started with cast and crew. We have a lot to run through here. Um, Let's do it. I'm excited. All right, so the Indiana Jones franchise is directed by the one and only Steven Spielberg. He has directed all four movies, and Dial of Destiny will be the first movie of the franchise he has not directed. The films are written by Lawrence Kasdern, Willard Huck and Gloria Katz, Jeffrey Bohm, and David Kep. And our story for the franchise is created by George Lucas. He holds the credit on each film. He and Spielberg work closely together on each entry to come up with a story for all of them before bringing in the respective screenwriters. And of course, our score for the franchise is composed by the legendary John Williams. And going to our cast, we have Harrison Ford, of course, as Indiana Jones. And we have Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. Denholm Elliott as Marcus Brody. John Reese davies as Sala. Paul Freeman as Belloc, or Beloche, however you want to say it. Kate Capshaw as Willie Scott. Kihi Kwan as Short Round. Amrish Puri as Molaron. Allison Duty as Dr. Elsa Schneider. Julian Glover as Donovan. Kate Blanchett as Arena Spocko, Shia LaBeouf as Mutt Williams, Ray Winstone as Mac, John Hurt as Oxley, and we got River Phoenix as Young Indy, and Sean Connery as Henry Jones Sr. All right, guys, there's our long cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, I'm going to give my highlight to John Reese davies as Sala. Um, just really fun to see him every time he pops up. He always has interesting dialogue with Indy, um, always has like interested interesting perspective on the areas they're in and when he gets to do action briefly it's always fun to watch him get in the scruff so had a blast with this character really enjoyed him throughout the whole franchise um i will call out sean connery as henry jones senior in the last crusade i think that was an excellent choice to play his dad and him and harrison ford have like have perfect chemistry i would say comedic moments are awesome the serious moments are cool and even like the flashback moments um with a young Indy and, and whatever year that was, 1912 or something like that, when they're in Utah. That opening was um, great. Oh, yeah. So cool. I love the opening. Um, but yeah, love, I love Sean Connery as Henry Jones Sr., a perfect addition to Last Crusade. I think he really, really made that movie. Um, huge, huge role. Did you love the part at, when he returns in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in a picture frame and Indy Jones just goes, he's dead? Very weird. 
I read some of the production facts on that. I guess in like, I guess Frank Darabont, the guy behind the first two seasons of The Walking Dead, The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, he originally wrote Crystal Skull and apparently they threw it out. But I guess Senior was supposed to be a bigger role in the movie. And then later on, after they threw it out, they wrote a cameo for him where he'd be at the wedding. And I guess Sala would be there too. And then they gave them to the actors and they were like, no. We want to be in the movie. <laughs> you want us just to show up at the end and just be like clapping in the background? We're not doing that. And I was like, are you kidding me? We could have had both of them in this movie. God. But when is he going to meet his grandson, Mutt Williams? He's going to hate Mutt, by the way. <laughs> so it's probably better that uh, Senior's dead. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't know, man. I guess I'll take the two easy ones. It's hard not to call out Spielberg as the director of this. Thinking about kind of all of his movies, like kind of the whimsy and wonder they have, even in his darker movies like Jaws, I mean, there's still something there. It's like all of his movies are different, but there is a consistency and craft and kind of that feeling it gives you. So him kind of making a story like this makes sense. It's shocking it took him so long, even though it was, I guess, still relatively early in his career. But I don't know. I know you guys don't like Temple of Doom as much as me, but I still think there is just like this great consistency throughout all of them, even the bad moments, which for me are a lot of Temple of Doom and the second half of Crystal Skull. I still think, you know, he was the perfect choice for this. And I'm glad I, I'm I'm excited to see what someone different can do with the next one. But, you know, I'm just glad we had the same director for these four. I think where I really noticed the Spielberg effect is in the production design and just the staying power. That's where I really noticed Spielberg. It's just um, how well these movies hold up. And particularly the, the set design, even in the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark, like that boulder coming down, like it's real and it looks good. So it, it doesn't look like cheesy or fake. Yeah. And they put in the money to shoot on location, too. So a lot of the places that you see them in, they're actually there shooting, which crazy idea, right? <laughs> Guys, let's get on to something interesting here. I'm very excited to get your thoughts on this. You know our thoughts now on the Indiana Jones franchise, but let's let's take a dive back to the 80s. Uh, and what was the critical reception of these? The Indiana Jones franchise has a pretty interesting reputation when it comes to critical reviews. Raiders has the highest reviews and currently has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's considered one of the greatest and most influential and important films of all time. Temple of Doom saw a bit of a dip with 76% with criticism for the darker story, gore, and Kate Capshaw's performance as Willie Scott at the time. They course-corrected like we talked about for Last Crusade to make something more similar to the first, which has an 84% with praise for the performances, humor, and father-son relationship focus. Crystal Skull came out two decades later and has a terrible reputation. Terrible! That being said, actually, it received surprisingly decent reviews upon release despite that. It has a 77% on this site, which is a little bit higher than Temple of Doom. Although it is important to remember, I guess, that twice as many reviewers were taken into account for Crystal Skull as opposed to Doom, which came out, you know, decades earlier. Uh, the movie received praise for the cast, action sequences, and more pulpy tone, but it was criticized for the dialogue, story, pacing, and overuse of CGI. As a fun tease, we don't know the box office of Dial of Destiny yet, obviously, because it's not out. But due to some early screenings, it has a 62% over on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, which is might sound a little bit scary because that's the lowest of all of them. But speaking of the number of critic reviews, it has less than half of what Crystal Skull currently has. So this number will change dramatically this week. Um, it, it might be. <laughs> it's crazier to know this thing has 62%. When it first popped up on the site, I almost fainted because it had a low percentage in the 30s. <laughs> so just in like the following weeks after a bunch of screenings has happened for critics, it's jumped like nearly 30%. So in a few days, we will know. Will it continue to jump even higher or will it fall even more? Yeah, I have major concerns about Dial of Destiny after seeing some of these early reviews. Um, I don't know how with it being James Mangold, but apparently the effects are garbage and there's like a heavy reliance on CGI and less like practical stuff like we're, like the Indiana Jones franchise is known for. So if that's what they're doing, this one's probably going to feel out of place with the rest of the franchise. Mm. Well, I hope that's not the case. I can't. That's why I can't read reviews before the movie comes out. I can't do it. I don't want to set that expectation in my head. <laughs> I just want to go see it and, I'll, and we'll go from there. I'm excited, but yeah, I am nervous. There there definitely were moments in those trailers that gave me like bad, like the bad of Crystal Skull vibes. Like, oh, that doesn't look good. And of course, the irony is I think a lot of the stuff they actually did film on location. 
So like they were there kind of like, you know, the old movies, but they're still using a lot of CG. So I hope they're able to reel it in. Uh, but let's just hope the story is good. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I am excited for it, but, you know, Me too. I, I just hope it's good. I also think Crystal Skull only being 1% ahead of Temple of Doom is a big mistake. Temple of Doom should yeah. probably be in the 50s. <laughs> I, yeah, I, if it was, that would make sense to me. I think the call out of Kate Capshaw is super unfair to her. She does not give a bad performance in the movie. What's bad in the movie is the relationship with Indiana Jones. They should have found a better way to make them actually feel like they like each other instead of Indiana Jones forcing her into a situation she doesn't want to be in. Yeah, it's it's a very weird thing. I, I would I would tend to agree. I think it's more of a writing issue. She is consistently called out in pretty much every negative review um, when it comes to Temple of Doom and the, and the reputation there. Of like, that's a very bad performance. Uh, and they always use the word annoying. She's annoying. And, and I, my, my thing is, like, I, she's clearly supposed to be. Uh, so it's effective. Yeah. And by the end, she's not. That's so, how she's written. Yeah, it works for me. I think there's an arc there, but I can understand uh, the criticism. But speaking of Dial of Destiny, maybe it won't be received as well as some of these, but it's probably going to do incredible at the box office because this franchise has a reputation of doing so. Taking everything together and everything into account, the four films cost a total of $279 million to make and made a grand total of $2 billion at the box office. That's a return on investment for you. Sorry, Flash. Understandably, as the franchise went on, the budgets increased. Raiders cost $18 million to produce, and 27 years later, Crystal Skull cost $185 million, just to kind of show you how much modern blockbusters cost these days. Well, it's really good Spielberg and Lucas won't have to lie about box office returns and mislead financial investors like Dwayne Johnson had to do for Black Adam. <laughs> Uh, the dream the dream all right guys well with that i am super excited to finally get into this it's time to get a little bit deeper so we're going to get into our freeform discussion this is of course the main part of our show where each of us just got on the dock and we typed in all of our thoughts all the things we wanted to talk about so it's going to be the most important bits so i figured you know it's kind of a no-brainer let's go ahead and just start with harrison ford the man himself you know he is the lead of our franchise and we can kind of talk about a few things here, but maybe we can start with kind of the general thing. How do you guys like him as the lead? You know, he's Indiana Jones. He's the title character. What what should we talk about? What works? What doesn't? Is there anything that doesn't? I don't know. But what do you want to get into? Yeah, I may have a, I guess, a hot take to start with. Um, I actually don't think he's very good in Raiders. I think he's good in everything else. But in Raiders, it feels like he's just standing there saying one-liners for the whole movie. Whereas, like, in The Last Crusade, he's actually getting emotional. And it, it feels like he's Indiana Jones at that point. Whereas in Raiders, it's almost like, I'm in the start of a new franchise, we'll see if it hits or not, and I'll say these one-liners. Yeah, I see what you're saying. He's definitely, he definitely has a lot more emotion in Last Crusade, that's for sure. The only thing that's kind of an emotional crutch for him, I guess, is, is Marion, because he has like a soft spot for her. So like whenever she does die, or when he thinks she dies, he has like that moment when he's drinking, and he's kind of like weeping about it. But that's kind of the only time you see him upset. But yeah, I, I don't know. I like the intro with him. Um, in the jungle, and I like that when we get back to New York, now we see him as the professor. So he, he shows both sides of him as the adventurer, but also the professor who's like really knowledgeable and kind of kind of a nerd at some points. You know, he's like totally total opposite of who he is in the field. Did you like the girl in the classroom writing "I love you" on her eyelids? Yeah, I think that's, I, I think that. it's hilarious. I think it's so <laughs> funny. His reaction to that is pretty funny too. <laughs> like, yeah, um, what do I do with that? That's weird. <laughs> Unlike if his father had been there, he would have gone after it because he that's doesn't care true. about age gaps. Horn dog, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, Indy's nickname is, of course, Indiana Jones. But what we don't realize is that Henry's actual, his professional name is Horn Dog. <laughs> and Harrison's nickname is Harrison Harry Chest Ford. I thought, gonna, I thought you were going to say Horny Jones Senior. <laughs> that that, that would have been better. I should have said that. <laughs> Horny Jones Senior. Um, it's actually a, that's a funny point. I don't know. I'm kind of with Keith. I don't know if I necessarily agree as much, but I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah. He, there is something about his performance in Raiders that's good, but there's just not a lot to the character. Um, he's just like you know, he's this kind of cool archaeologist that you know goes on these adventures. But in terms of the actual character, it's more of the story that's happening around him that's like really cool and fun. But yeah, the performance. Is fine, but it's just, yeah, there's not a lot to it. Uh, so I, I think I actually mightn't agree with that. I think everything beyond that feels more like there's, 
we're learning more about and we're peeling back the layers, even in like, you know, the, the movies that aren't as good, I think, like Temple of Doom, for example, like, I think we learned so much more about Indy just watching him interact with Short Round. I think that's a very sweet relationship. And it's like, oh, so there is kind of this caring nature. And you wonder where that comes from. It's like, is this him? Like, is this how he was raised? Uh, and then it kind of is like a nice reflection of, oh, maybe he treated Short Round that way because he wasn't raised in a way that he felt that there was like love or anything like that. So maybe he's trying to, you know, compensate for that. So, yeah, I think as we go on, we learn way more about the character. Raiders is just like. I'm trying to find the Ark of the Covenant. That's really it. You're not going to find out much about me. Kind of like Bond in that sense. And also, speaking of emotional cores, the the one thing Temple of Doom has going forward is India is trying to find this artifact to help an indigenous population. And in all the other movies, he's really trying to find the artifacts to get them in a museum and sure, stop Nazis along the way. But Temple of Doom is the only time where he's has a goal to actually help other people in the movie. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it. Yeah, the purpose is different, which is kind of goes back to y'all's point about um, Willie Scott, how she's kind of, it's. I guess you could say it's more of the sloppy writing when it comes to introducing the, the female lead, because she doesn't really have much of a purpose other than the fact that she just happened to be in that, the one Shanghai club with Indy. Yeah, it is crazy, like the leaps and bounds they go through to get her on the adventure, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> she's just minding her business in this club, and then she sees like, a fight breakout, a diamond fling. Well, first she sees a diamond. Yeah, I'm going to try and get the diamond. And then shooting happens, and then Indy happens to, like, grab her to, I guess, protect her, and then that leads to falling out of the window. In the negotiation, he puts a gun in her back and says, go ahead, shoot her. So he (laughs) he does not care about her. No. Uh, They, like, fall out a window, they get in a car, they get in a plane, they fall out the plane, they land in a river, they get to a village, and then at that point, she just has to keep going. (laughs) It's very bizarre. (laughs) The plain river sequence to the village was where I was like, oh, no, just like that river. This is going downhill fast. Yeah, that received criticism at the time as well. <laughs> Even back then, people were like, no, you're not jumping out of a plane in an inflatable raft, landing on a mountain and then falling off a cliff into a river and being fine. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like Austin said, maybe this is my hot take. Uh, something that they didn't emulate very well, although when you watch like old Bond stuff like pre-Craig uh, era, it's also very not good. So I guess maybe they did emulate it well, but it's just not a good thing. And that is the Bond girl. And in this case, the love interest for Indiana Jones. This is something that I don't really think works in any of these movies, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I like Marion as a character. The way they kind of like reintroduce their relationship, it's like they hate each other in the bar. She joins him on the adventure. They're immediately like, they're basically back together. They're like eye fucking each other from across the room. (laughs) They're like in love again. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, Willie Scott, as we talked about, is probably the worst example. Very weird. She clearly hates him, understandably, because she has to go on this journey. And then... They get to the, the palace. first night in the palace. She's <laughs> like, they're going to come fuck, take me, Indy. Very weird. I guess actually maybe the one that. At least chemistry wise works the best for me is uh, Elsa in uh, yep. Last Crusade. But then, of course, they reveal that she betrayed him and that she's like a Nazi sympathizer. Very strange. But then, of course, you know, she betrayed him. So it's like, oh, I guess that was fake. And then, you know, Crystal Skull just uses Marion again. And they kind of do the same thing where it's like she never told him that they had this adult kid. After they get over the initial scene, they're in the car together, and she's, again, eye-fucking him from across the room. He's like, what was wrong? I'm sure you had other people after me. What was wrong with them? And he's like, they weren't you, honey. And then she's just like, <laughs> ah. It's like, <laughs> Indy does nothing to, like, <laughs> earn these relationships. So that's one tradition that I don't think works particularly well, even though I think a lot of those actresses do a great job. Yeah, for sure. Especially with Marion, both times in Raiders and Crystal Skull, the opening scene of them meeting is her punching him in the face, and then the next scene they're making out. Yeah. In the Bond franchise, the one thing they do well is they put in the work to show how charming Bond can be, and obviously all that stuff is outdated up until the Craig era, and even some of the Craig stuff is too. They show Bond putting in the effort to try and charm these women, where with Indiana Jones, he basically walks in the room and is like, hey, you want to have sex? It's like there's very little uh, like build up to him trying to charm or flatter or, or flirt or anything like that. Yeah, I think what they try to do in Raiders is they try to establish that you should assume that him and Miriam 
Marion have a, a long history because he worked with her dad, Abner Ravenwood. That logic only works with Marion. The other two women, they've met that day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, I can't believe we haven't talked about it. Did you guys notice or did you know? Because like you have to really be, I didn't know this as a kid, you have to be really paying attention to the years. But isn't it odd that Temple of Doom is a prequel to Raiders? Mm, yeah. It takes place a year before, which is odd. It is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Raiders takes place in 1936, and then Temple of Doom takes place in 1934. Right. Oh. It's very odd. I don't like, I mean, there's no reason they had to do that. I guess they just wanted to be like, it's like Bond, you know, a different story. So let's talk a little bit more about Last Crusade now. This one, like we touched on, feels so much closer to Raiders than Temple does. Um, what do you love about this one? What do you hate about this one? Just kind of starting generally. I love all the comedic moments with Marcus Brody, Henry Sr., and Sala, and then Indy, of course. The no-ticket thing, that's hilarious. I love the plane scene whenever Henry Sr. <laughs> actually shoots the tail into the plane. Like, son, they got us. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. And they, that whole sequence with the planes is so funny. When they crash the plane, and they're in the car, and they're being chased by the plane, and going into the tunnel, and then the beach scene with the birds. Yeah. Thinking about it now, especially after having just talked about Temple of Dune, I think the thing that kind of makes Last Crusade stand out is definitely that comedy. It's, it's way more of a fun movie than Temple of Doom is. Um, they go back to the Nazis, which are always easy to hate. So I think they just made the they made all the right choices with Last Crusade, and they made a lot of questionable choices with Temple of Doom. Yeah, I think you know the only really criticism anybody could levy at Last Crusade is like, oh, did they overcorrect here? It's like after Temple of Doom, where they didn't want to do the Nazis again, they didn't want to you know have some of those characters come back. They just wanted to do a new story. Uh, but that didn't do well, so now let's make a third movie, and it's like, let's do everything we did before. Let's bring the Nazis back. Let's bring back all the side characters that you got a little flavor of uh, from the first one. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I could understand people be like, oh, wow, that, that's a jarring <laughs> to watch the second one and then watch the third one. It's just like, oh, this feels exactly like the first one again. That's kind of why I like it, and I think it's a better version of the first one, at least in my opinion, and I'm totally with Keith. Yeah, like the humor in particular, I think it works super well, and I guess in a weird way, it kind of feels like the only movie where Indy is like fully invested of getting something into a museum like we've talked about is Raiders. He's going after the Ark because he wants the Ark and he wants that to be taken back. He wants that in the museum. That's the job. That's the deal. But the other movies, it's not really about that. And two, it feels more about saving a village. And three, he says it explicitly multiple times. I do not care about the Holy Grail. I'm trying to find and save my dad. And in Crystal Skull, it's kind of the same thing, except it's uh, John Hurt's character, Oxley. And he's like kind of, I don't think he wants Mutt to get himself killed, so he's going with him. So, yeah, I think 3 kind of has that special thing of like not caring as much about the MacGuffin and just having this kind of, I guess sweet's not the right word, but more of like a genuine, a little bit earnest at times, a little bit, uh, there's some friction at times, father-son thing at the forefront is what really makes it work. And like we said... Whenever Harrison Ford and Sean Connery are together, I mean, that chemistry is just off the charts. It's unbelievable. I don't know who thought to put them together, but it worked so well. Um, I think about all like the sad scenes with them, like the blimp is really funny with them together. But then it immediately transitions to that scene where indeed is like, you know, the last time we shared a drink, I had a milkshake. And then like whenever uh, his dad says you left home just as you're about just as you were becoming interesting, it's like, whoa. That cuts pretty deep. <laughs> um, but then kind of the way it wraps up whenever uh, I, I rewatch this moment all the time, like on YouTube. But whenever Henry thinks that Indy dies when the cliff or the tank goes off the cliff, I should say. Uh, and he's like, I never told him anything. I would have I, I taken five minutes. And then whenever he hugs, me, he's like, I thought I lost you, boy. The moment where it cuts to Harrison Ford's face. That's acting right there. The way like he's clearly in pain, but he like. There's there's a like a certain smile he does in that moment. Mm -hmm. I can't really explain it. It's, yeah, I know it's what you like, mean. It's like you can kind of see that it's this is something that he's like hoped for somehow, even though he hasn't talked to his dad in like 20 years. Basically, it's a it's a very great moment and the perfect way to wrap up that character. Um, actually, no, I'm crazy. What am I talking about? No, the best moment of the father son thing that I also <laughs> rewatch constantly on YouTube when. Indy is trying to grab the grail at the end. Oh, yeah. Dad, I almost got it. And he calls him Indiana for the first time. And he kind of breaks him out of that moment. And he's like, let it go. Not calling him Junior now. I'm Indiana. 
I'm named after the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So many great moments between them. Yeah. The other thing Last Crusade does really well with me now knowing that this is kind of a sequel to Raiders, whereas Temple was the prequel, is they actually have him being an archaeologist and like uncovering these mysteries and these clues, whereas Temple is more of him like kind of stumbling into the mystery, trying knowing how to get through traps, things like that. But this one, you actually kind of believe that he is the expert on this stuff and he's the only one that can actually find this, whether it's for his dad or accidentally lead the Nazis to all these artifacts. I just think that culminates so perfectly in the Holy Grail challenges and having them be separate because they easily could have just had his dad like have to be forced to like do the challenges with him. And then that would have been pretty easy. His dad would have been like, here's what you do. This is my whole life. This is my my obsession. But having him get shot by Donovan as like a motivator for Indy to have to go in and find the grail. And I love the way they edited that scene where it keeps like cutting from Indy like the penitent man will pass. The penitent man. The penitent man. What does that mean? Like humble before God, kneels before God. But it's also like cutting back to his dad who's like slowly dying. But he's just like penitent man will pass. Like what does that mean? And he's like hoping that Indy gets through it. And then, of course, I mean, the great moment, which is even better than Sean Connery's accent, where it's like the word of God, the name of God. Jehovah. <laughs> cuts to Sean Connery. But in Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. <laughs> cuts Great. to Indy, who's like, he, he's almost like a kid at that moment. He's like, oh, duh, I'm an idiot. In Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. So it just culminates so well, kind of like their knowledge is like they're doing different things throughout the movie. And that's kind of how they culminate with like these great uh, Holy Grail, like super fun challenges. We all know what happened, though. Uh, us, Spielberg, Lucas, we all decided we were sick of these Christian artifacts and we wanted aliens in our Indiana Jones story. So let's talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Do you think people were still writing love for you on their eyelids at that point when he was like maybe in his 60s? He still <laughs> I was watching good. for it. I was watching for it. I wouldn't be surprised. All Harrison has to do is show me that hairy chest and I'm writing I love Whoa. you on my eyelids. Whoa. Wow. Well, you, well, you do see it whenever they're the radioactive guys are... Uh... You see it in every movie. There's always a scene where his shirt gets ripped open and you see that magical chest. Well, yeah. Well, let's go into that, Austin, because we see his magical chest whenever they're wiping him down after he survives a That's nuclear true. blast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a scene that bothers a lot of people. It doesn't really bother it. me that much. Yes, of course, the fridge like flying through the air looks ridiculous, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I think it's fine. It didn't bother me. It fits the world. I mean, he survives yeah. a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was really funny that they made a case to show that, yes, this man is scrubbing his penis to get make sure there's no radiation. <laughs> yeah. Harrison Ford's reaction is like, hey. <laughs> That's my penis. <laughs> Uh, well, if we're talking about Crystal Skull, it's hard to, especially like this first half that where there's a lot that we like, it's hard to not talk about Mutt Williams, which I mean, I think we've all probably talked about this before. I think a lot of people have a pretty terrible name for a character. Uh, I know it's not technically <laughs> his just name. Just to like carry on the dog theme. Yeah. <laughs> He's going for the greaser thing. I get it. It's still ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, Shia LaBeouf enters as Mutt. Um, so yeah, what'd you guys think? I mean, because a character that takes up a lot of the, I mean, I would say he's the second lead of the movie and I don't know what they were going for. I guess they, I mean, they even made like a couple like dialogue references to it. I mean, it's clearly, I guess they were trying to go for the inverse father son thing from last crusade in the follow-up movie two decades later, where now he has a son. Did you guys like that relationship? Did you like Mutt as a character on its own? What'd you guys think? They made Mutt way too much of an over-the-top greaser even his intro where he's like riding on the train tracks on his motorcycle like i'm a i'm a cool i'm a cool kid hey old man you you old man uh, or he's got he's got the comb in every scene i i have to wonder if they ever considered replacing shia buff with kihi kwan and doing another short round story in this one because i i think that would have been way more interesting i think it'd have been very interesting yeah for sure um i did think though however that shia was great as Mutt Williams. I like I liked him as Mutt. Even though I do agree with you, Austin, though, I think the greaser thing does get kind of like annoying after a while. So if we get he's trying to comb his hair, like, okay, that's that joke lasted like ten seconds after the first time. I don't need it again. He gets better as the movie goes on, especially yeah. when they're like in Peru and actually exploring together. All all those scenes are much better. Well you, you yeah, I like that we learn that his character actually is intelligent too, just like his dad. Um and is all in on archaeology and, and Harold Oxley had like shown him all these 
books and 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 artifacts and stuff like that. So he he's also really knowledgeable as well, but he kind of overcompensates that, I guess, by trying to be this tough guy greaser. Yeah, I completely agree I, uh, with everything you guys said. I think it gets better as the movie goes on. I think you could maybe tie it a little bit to Kate Capshaw that like we talked about. I think the character is very annoying in the intro. I think he's supposed to be annoying, especially to Indy. So, yeah, sometimes that is hard to put on screen because when you show a character being annoying to the lead character, it's also you're liable to end up annoying the audience too, uh, which happens a lot with Mutt. But I do think... He fits into the world relatively well. It's just you have to keep in mind this takes place like two decades later. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a different world. But yes, once they get to Peru, once he like reunites with his mom and Oxley, from that point, I really don't have any issues with the character. I think he's kind of a, a fun and different companion to see Indy paired with. What do you think of him swinging with monkeys? And yeah, that's where we have some <laughs> issues uh, for me, at least in the second half. Uh, they ruin a lot of great moments in this movie uh, for me with um, CGI. And just ridiculous visuals. I mean, I really think it's after Oxley, Indy, Mutt, and Marion are reunited. I like that scene quite a bit, but pretty much everything after that is kind of bad to me. Uh, it really, I guess it kind of starts right after that reunion scene, wherever they fall in quicksand and the solution is to reference the fact that Indiana Jones hates snakes. So he's like, hey, kid, find me something to get us out of here. He runs into the woods, somehow finds like a fucking anaconda, basically, <laughs> is fine to pick it up. And he's like, that's let's, not poisonous. Apparently, yeah, Let's use this as a rope. And I'm going to throw the head part towards you. It's like, what? this is stupid. And then, yes. And then it just gets worse and worse from there. Watching like kind of a cool car chase between the villains and uh, our crew. I really enjoyed the car chase. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun, right? might be the best right? of the franchise to Yeah, me, there's lots of good stuff there. But then they ruin it where it's like, oh, Mutt just like he, you know, understandably, he kind of like got caught in a vine, got pulled up. And it's like, oh, shit, how's Mutt going to get back? And he does it by befriending the local monkey population <laughs> and <laughs> CGI swinging on vines, which somehow he's able to do that to catch up to moving vehicles. It's How, yeah. how did George Lucas and Spielberg write that scene and go? This is a great idea. He nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Because they had one monkey in Raiders. They're like, well, now we need like 20 monkeys. <laughs> true. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. This is our big return. We got to dump. We got it. <laughs> we got to do 20 times the monkeys. <laughs> I do think when you look at it in the context of the franchise, Crystal Skull does do a good job of combining Temple of Doom elements and Last Crusade elements. Because this movie does take place for the majority in one location, like Temple of Doom does. But then also in the intro, you have the globetrotting elements, the archaeology stuff. Like, they just do a better job of getting him to the spot. The jungle is very intimidating and scary, just like in Temple of Doom. But then there are the heartwarming moments with Marion and Mutt uh, that you kind of get in Last Crusade. There's more of the comedy, with, especially with Harrison Ford interacting with Mutt and the two learning how to work together. So I, I think they did a good job of making this feel naturally part of the franchise, but then also combining elements of all the other movies too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think they did combine a lot of that in some ways I didn't really think about. Yeah, I like that. Another thing that I quite like about the movie, and one of the reasons I am actually excited for Dial of Destiny, and a lot of people seem to bring this up as like, maybe not a criticism, but kind of a joke because of Harrison Ford's age. I actually surprisingly think rewatching Crystal Skull, an older Indiana Jones story works surprisingly well. I for think sure, it's yeah. It's not necessarily, I guess, an element of the story. It's not referenced a whole lot, which is also kind of nice. It's just he's older and he's still doing this stuff occasionally. Uh, but it works. Him being older, uh, he has some more like kind of like elements of his dad, uh, you know, put on some years. It reminds me of the I think even Spielberg talked about this. It's the line from the first movie when he's like talking to Mary whenever he's hurt. He's like, it's not about the age. It's about the mileage. Uh, and Harrison Ford can sell it. You know, yes, he is older, but doesn't really feel like it. So I, I don't know. It's not that I, I think these stories work better when he's older, but there's no difference to me. Uh, so I think that's a positive. And there's certainly no different in that chest. That thing has not aged a bit. <laughs> <laughs> as an aged day, kid. We do have to talk about yeah. the aliens, though. Um, yep. I actually, I was tracking it throughout the movie because I was like, I'm loving this. Like, when, when is this movie going to turn for me? And so I paused it right not even when they reveal it could be aliens. I paused it. The moment where it turned for me is when they reveal they're interdimensional beings. And mm -hmm. there is no joke, 19 minutes, including credits, left in the movie. Wow. That's how okay. quick they, inter they introduce this and then wrap it up right away. 
I think I would have been okay if they had just left it at Aliens and this was some spaceship that flies away. It's one that they also introduced, no, we're going to an alternate dimension as well. I think that's way too much to throw in in the very ending of your movie. <laughs> it gets a little, to be a little much. I like that they do return the skull and the skull does have something to do with these ancient aliens that, that came down on Earth, but the whole UFO thing is a little ridiculous. The fact that it wipes out an entire geographical like area of like a hundred square miles or whatever is is crazy. Like this whole lake or river starts flowing in to this area. It's like no one's gonna notice this at all. <laughs> I feel like someone's gonna someone's gonna notice this, right? The way they leave is nonsensical, but the idea of aliens having come down a long time ago and then like finding their remains and uncovering this legend, I, like all that really worked for me. I, I actually really like the alien idea. And they even talk about like the skulls being different and how that may actually translate to various cultures who would wrap their babies' heads to elongate the skulls to improve their brain capacity and stuff like that. Like all that like made sense. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of buying like the mystery they're selling me. And I like that uh, Oxley's kind of like the, uh, the, the knowledge guy behind it all, like three times it drops. So he knows like what they're, what they're going to have to go through. To, and he's been there before. So he knows what they're going to have to go through to get there. Um, but, and then what do you guys think about the whole like Kate Blanchett? Like, I want to know. I want to know. Well, that's what it, yeah, that's also where it, a lot of the stuff at the end of the movie invalidates and makes the previous like two hours worse. Um, Kate Blanchett introduced, I'm like, okay, this might be one of our more compelling villains. But once you get to the end and the motivation is just, I want to know, I want to know, tell me everything. It's like, oh yeah, you suck. Like you, you weren't really in the movie that much, but if you had like landed the end of it, then maybe I could have like put you on a pedestal when it comes to like some of these uh, villains in these movies, but can't do that. I don't think there's really any memorable villain though. That's fair. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that too. We can get to that. But yeah, it just, I don't, yeah. Like I said, the second half of the movie, I'm completely lost. And a lot of that is because of the CGI. I know it's like a pulpy movie, but it gets like way too goofy. A lot of the character moments don't work. The Marion indie reconnection should be great. Fortunately, it's not. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely gets even worse when it gets to, oh, so we're not doing just aliens. Uh, we're taking it a step further, which is which is a shame. Yep. And I've always liked the alien element. I know a lot of people don't. I know it's a little bit I weird. I really like it. Yeah. I know it's a little bit weird because the previous three movies are all about finding religious artifacts, um, Temple of Doom as well. And this one is aliens. But it's like, you know, those other three things, there's no proof to them you know indy talks about in his class the difference between truth and fact which i quite like um so it's like you yeah the holy grail works that way it kept a, a night alive for 700 years is that that crazier than aliens no i don't think so so it always worked for me but it's just like when it goes to interdimensional beings and like showing us knowledge and kind of like the big thing of like, wow, Oxley finally returned the crystal skull. And then they all just like form together into one being and then just, I guess, show Kate Blanchett knowledge. And then she is destroyed and then they fly off. Like that's the ending. That's like the big like payoff. It's like, wow, very cool. That is in line though with the ending of everything else though. Archicus Covenant, everybody's faces melt off and they all die. Uh, Temple of Doom I think it collapses or something. The bridge collapse. Last Crusade, the whole temple, the floor comes out and everybody dies there. So it does fit everything else that they've done in this franchise. I agree. I just think this one, this one felt less satisfying. Yeah. I just didn't like the ending of this one. Not as contained, I guess. It's like almost too big of a thing to happen on Earth. For me, though, that like none of that stuff bothers me. It's, it's literally just trying to introduce aliens. Okay, I'm on board. And then, oh, also... It's not aliens. They're they're going to another dimension. That's the only part of the movie where I'm like, well, that was stupid. But everything else I liked. And I didn't notice the CGI as much as you did, Matt. And maybe that's because I watched all these on a plane on my phone. And I know you're traveling this week, Matt. So maybe maybe you need to download do Crystal that. Skull and watch it on your phone. Wow. Maybe mm. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It, yeah, they just do too much because it's actually kind of cool. Like the Crystal Skull thing is like, oh, so I guess this is going to be tied to actual history. They have that. One explorer that they find, I think it was in Peru, like in that crazy, uh, like grave or whatever. And it's like yeah. they're finding these skulls, and it's like, oh, you're right. This does tie to like, like uh, the past and history, like you said, of like people like kind of like forcing their skulls to kind of like look like that. It's like, so what is the purpose of that? And what is like this crystal skull? Like, what does that mean? Like, it looks like those things. Is that important? Like, what what actually is this thing? And kind of like the magnetic element of it all. And it's like, okay, so it's aliens, and then. Yeah, then it's just very, 
very quickly it's like, oh no, I know we just introduced that, but actually here's what it's like, okay, that was bad. I do think talking about it though, the movie I probably had the most fun with of this franchise was Crystal Skull. Wow. Mm. Yeah, for me it's Last Crusade, but I, I don't hate that take. I enjoyed Crusade more, but I think Skull has more fun moments in it. And I think there's, I think there's better reveals in Crystal Skull. Like the moment where you realize, oh, they actually are talking about aliens. I think that's like a high, high reveal moment and probably one of the best of the franchise when they're just kind of teasing it and you're like, is it actually going to go that far? And then when they actually like stick to it and say, yes, there's actually are aliens. I think that's all good. It's literally just the, actually, they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings. That's not like, all right, that was too much. You should have left it at the aliens. I also think the opening is a high whenever they're going through the warehouse, which I guess is Area 51. And you see the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, uh, which they showed at the end of the first movie. That whole like reintroduction to Indy, that first action scene, I love whenever he uses the whip for the first time on the light to land in the car. Uh, he misjudges it, lands in the car behind <laughs> him, and he's like, I thought that was closer. <laughs> uh, so good. And that kind of reminded me of, I wanted to ask you guys, as a kind of like a quick hit. Um, it might be the same for all of us, but the opening of this is very fun, very great. What is your favorite opening? Because they're all iconic. In the first one, you have the jungle where he's getting the idol and the boulder chases him. Shout out to Alfred Molina <laughs> randomly being in that opening scene with him. Uh, and two, you have that kind of the cool, like actual James Bond scene. He walks in with a suit to this place in China, gets in a gunfight. Three, you have just the whole young indie section. And then this, you have the shootout with the Russians in a Area 51. What's your favorite opening of all these? The most iconic is definitely Raiders. Uh, but I think the one I enjoyed the most would be Last Crusade. I love all the openings, really. And they're all good. I don't think there's one bad one in there. But yeah, I think Last Crusade, River Phoenix would have to take it for me. It's, yeah, for me as well. Yeah. I thought it was all I thought it was going to be for all, all of us would be Last Crusade. But I think they're all very good, which is, you know, high praise. Let's do one more quick hit before we wrap up. We touched on it briefly, but do you have a standout villain of this franchise? I think the only memorable one is the French guy, but I don't know his name. Belloc? Yeah. Yeah, like that's Belloc. a great question. Yeah, you have Belloc, you have Tote or Tot. I can't. I don't know if they even say his name. But like the Nazi torturer guy. Um, the second one, you have Mullah Ram, who I think is terrible and introduced way too late in the movie. And three, you have Donovan. I, I like Donovan. Donovan's fine, I guess. Yeah. Elsa. Also, barely in the movie though. Yeah, not not there as, as much as then, like we said with Kate Blanchett. I mean, good performance, I guess, but I think they just kind of. Or ruin the character by the end. It's like, oh, that's all it was, I guess. Um, you know what? My favorite villain is Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't deny that. That's he does. He does have some screen time. That's true. <laughs> uh, the most iconic, for sure. <laughs> I like Belloc to a degree. I like that he really is like the dark Indiana Jones. Even call that out. Also, I noticed something for the first time on this rewatch that uh, the torturer guy like. Indy says some line to Saudi's like, how the fuck did they start digging? Like, I have the piece. I have the jewel. Like, how did they find it? Like, they need this to get it. And then the, it just it never uh, connected with me that whenever uh, the guy like burned his hand in Marion's bar, it, like made like an exact copy <laughs> on his hand. So they yeah. were able to read the front of it, but they couldn't read the back, which gave them the rest of the information. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I guess Belloc, maybe Donovan. I don't know. I think you're right when you said it earlier, Arthur. It's like this franchise isn't really known for its villains. I don't think it really tries to be. Um, but we'll see how our boy Mads Mikkelsen does in Dial of Destiny. I love. I think every villain has like their one like iconic scene, or maybe two I, iconic scenes, like Belloc in the jungle at the beginning when he when he meets Indy. That's so. That's a that's a cool scene. And then uh, later on, like in the uh, the bar in Cairo, and then Donovan. You know, like. Remember, Dr. Jones, don't, don't trust anybody. And then later on, didn't I tell you not to trust anybody? So I, I kind of like those little little scenes. That they did it for me. It would have been cool if there was like more, um, I don't know, I guess subtlety is not the right word, but just more like nuance with some of these characters. Because with like Belloc and Donovan, it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying these villains. But then it's just like, oh, they're Nazi sympathizers, I guess. And then there's a very weird moment with Donovan at the end where it's like he, you know, has that crazy cool a thing where he drinks the grail and like ages like in like a few seconds and dies and then like he turns to dust and like the it does like a close-up and the dust like parts a little bit and you just see like a little nazi uh like pin in the dust it's like oh so he was a full-blown nazi i guess so it's like that would have been interesting if like they didn't fully go into that it's also hysterical to me that belloc like his only motivation is he wants to bang Marion. right he's like 
like killing Marion is is too far. Like she means something <laughs> to me. But I also like the Nazis. So it's like, it's like, oh, so like you're actually okay. You're not that interesting. <laughs> all right, guys. So I think that's all we have time for here. I know I think we could probably go on and get into all of our favorite scenes and even more, but we just can't do it right now, unfortunately. So we've got to close out. So guys, before we get into the future, speaking of Dial of Destiny, are there any just like general closing thoughts you had? Maybe Austin, I'll start with you because we had the perfect revelation that you thought you had seen all these movies once in your life. And it turns out you'd only seen two of the four. So <laughs> is there anything like generally like that we should close on or like any just final thoughts? Yeah, I'm really happy I watched all these. They're really fun. These are emblematic to me of like what being a classic I think is and the fact that they age well, the stories are interesting, the set design, no matter which movie you're in, looks great. The characters are always fun and they're just a movie you can put on and have a good time with. So I don't know, maybe it's going to hurt my enjoyment of Dial of Destiny because I now have very high expectations coming off of my favorite film of all time, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, hey, I think your I think your high expectations are warranted for a franchise like this. Same way as you, Austin. I, I love these movies. They're fun. You don't have you don't have to take them too seriously. They're they're adventure movies. They're they're funny. They have the perfect amount of action um, and character development. Um, I just can't wait to see what they do in Dial of Destiny. I'm I'm excited that John Reese Davies is coming back as Sala. Hell yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen him since 1989, since Last Crusade, so it's pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, high hopes. Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite franchises of all time, and that's and it's it's so interesting. I think that's that's acknowledging the bad. I don't love Temple of Doom. I clearly like it way more than you guys. I I still think it's good, but I think that's probably the highest praise I could give it. That's a good movie. That's you know all I can say. Crystal Skull. Strangely, the more I rewatch it, I think I could also say it's a good movie. But I do think the second half for me, like, and it's not just like the final bits like you guys were talking about for you, but pretty much all of the second half is kind of a dive bomb for me. But overall, the first half I like enough where I would still say overall, it's good. It's fine. Whatever. Um, But Raiders and Last Crusade are so good. They're just carrying, they're elevating those movies. They're carrying it on its back so high that like... I would still call this like one of the best franchises of all time, even though two of them are kind of weak. Two of the four, 50% are a little bit weak, but it's still one of the best. Um, those are just two of my favorite movies. Last Crusade is maybe a top 10 for me. Um, I, I love it so much. Sometimes I'll occasionally just watch it on its own. I won't even like do like a full franchise rewatch. It's just so good. Um, but yeah, like we said, I mean, these high expectations are warranted for Dial of Destiny. I hope it's good. Spielberg left in the middle of it, which is kind of scary, but they got James Mangold and he has such a great track record with, you know, Walk the Line, Logan, Ford v. Ferrari. I would expect it would be a very competent movie, but, that you know, we've also had Spielberg direct Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull. So I just hope that the story is good. I hope that Indy feels like a like a fleshed out character in this movie. I want to see we saw like an older Indy in, in Crystal Skull. What's it going to be like when he's another 20 year, however older he is, like maybe 15, 10, 15 years older in this one. I don't know. Um, Shia LaBeouf. What is him and Marion's relationship going to look like? Will yeah. Are they still, real? is she in it? I don't know. Like, are they married? She's in it. Okay. She is in it. Yeah. Okay. So they're probably still married then, which at least that would show some consistency. <laughs> How so funny would be that they were divorced? With them getting divorced? <laughs> well, that's what I was expecting going in. I was like, they'll probably be divorced. The opening of the film is Indiana Jones signing divorce papers. Yeah. <laughs> and also disowning Mutt. <laughs> well, yeah, he has to disown Mutt because Shia LaBeouf is like a weird, like, sexual assaulter guy in real life. And But then also, I love the story. I have to tell this real quick. I know we're going long today, but on uh, Crystal Skull, like, Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg were, like, professionals. So, like, whenever, like, the bad reviews were coming out, they were being interviewed. They were like, you know what? We're actually really proud of this movie. Here's, like, what we like about it. You know, maybe that this or that didn't work for some people, but, you know, we're proud of what we did. We like the movie. Even though they were probably lying, they were probably like, yeah, we could have done this better. But they were being professionals like, we're not going to fucking shit talk our movie like while it's out in theaters right now. Cut to Shia LaBeouf in interviews like, yeah, man, saw the reviews. You know, people are right. It's not good. We dropped the ball. So like, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, there's like literal like, you can like look this up. Shia LaBeouf burned his bridges with Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg because of that. So <laughs> there was no way he was coming back. Honestly, Disney dodged the bullet because Shia Buff could be their Ezra Miller if they had tried yep. to carry on the name with him helming the Indiana Jones franchise. 
But even Harrison was like, not doing that. <laughs> Whenever the hat flies in, the score kicks off. He tries to put on the hat like, I'm going to carry on this franchise. Harrison's like, no, kid, the franchise dies with me. <laughs> no, kid, you don't have my chest. You can't That's do it. true. That is true. I just thought of the weirdest, <laughs> the funniest thing. So what if there's a scene in Dial of Destiny where Indy's back at his desk and he's just first dad then Marcus and then just turns to a picture of Shia <laughs> like in holes and like and then mutt. He has another picture to add to his collection. But it's a, it's a picture from Shia from holes though like a young yeah, Shia. Yeah it has to be holes. No yeah. it's a photo from Shia in those interviews to be very clear that's when he lost the <laughs> <Yeah>. job. <laughs> that would be incredible. Can you guys imagine if he had carried on the franchise you could like picture like a oh boulder going God. towards Shia he'd be like no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so before we go into awards, should we formally rank these four movies? Yeah, we can. I think it's pretty easy for me. I think my ranking will reflect a lot of people's rankings, but I'm so I'm more curious about you guys. So I think there's a lot of people out there that put Raiders as number one. I can't blame them. It is the most iconic. It's one of the most important, influential movies of all time. Uh, I love it. But Last Crusade just says it for me. I know it does for a lot of people. I don't know if it's a majority. I'd be curious to do like a poll, like if people like Raiders or Last Crusade more. But I think my ranking is pretty standard. It's going to be Last Crusade is number one. Raiders is number two. Temp- There's a little bit of a drop. Then we get Temple of Doom is three and Crystal Skull is four. Like I said, Crystal Skull has a lot to like. But the difference between me and you guys, I think, is I actually quite like Temple of Doom. So it's actually pretty easy for me to put that at three. Yeah, I think I'll anger some people. But I will go Last Crusade, number one, Crystal Skull, number two, uh, mm. Raiders, number three, wow. and Temple, number four. Wow. Oh, okay. I'm going to do Last Crusade, number one, Raiders, number two, and I think I'm going to tie, if I'm allowed to do this, I'm going to tie Temple and Crystal Skull. Okay. So where this is a weird question. Where do you guys want Dial of Destiny to land in there? <laughs> What's your hope? I mean, because it's not going to be number one. Hopefully it lands at number three. That's kind of where I'm at. I hope it lands in my little drop-off category between Raiders and Temple of Doom. I'm not super hopeful on that, but that's, that's my ultimate hope is that it lands there. I want it to be number two. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Well, with that, before we officially close out, let's do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we take something from what we just talked about that is positive, negative, or something in between. It's something that deserves a specific award. So, guys... Who wants to start? Austin, I know you may need a minute because I accidentally stole yours at the beginning of the show today. Oh, I've got my award. Of course, at the beginning, we did give out uh, the Eskimos Bros Award to (laughs) Sean Connery and Harrison Ford and also Henry Jones Jr. and Henry Jones Sr. But I'm going to give the Best Knife Tricks Award to Mutt Williams. (laughs) Wow. I got very tired of him flipping the switchblade back and forth. I think at one point, the knife goes up in Dana Jones' ass when he's trying to untie himself from the ropes. That's a, okay, that's you a hear that unclicking sound. What did he cut in that moment? <laughs> I, I thought he cut his pants. It's a long blade, though. I always wonder what happens in that scene, because Mutt looks like, oh shit, my dad's about to pass out from blood loss, <laughs> but then they just, I guess he was fine. <laughs> I'm going to give the best marathon drinker award goes to Marion Ravenwood. That beginning scene in the bar and Raiders, whenever she's like 20 shots deep, that was such a cool scene to open her up. And I don't know and how she, she can drink that the much. French man later. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like pretending she can't hold her liquor, but she can. My award, of course, is for one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise because it makes me laugh every single time. And it is, I guess, what should I call this award? Wow, I didn't know alligators slash crocodiles could eat that fast. <laughs> Temple of Doom. <laughs> every time somebody falls off the bridge, they Wilhelm scream, of course. And the second they touch the water, it just cuts to the crocodiles like, eating like clothing and like seeing blood in the water (laughs) implying that like they ate the person in less than a second (laughs) i think it's so fucking funny so shout out to them i didn't know that they could pull it off that quickly it's such a bad movie it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) all right everyone before austin has like an attack because uh temple of doom hurt him so bad thank you all so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content also if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend we would appreciate that to continue to grow our show please leave us reviews as well even if you want to write anything leaving us a five-star review over on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever your podcasts really does help us out at the Arnie's is our social, and at the Arnie's.media is the website. And we are happy to be back soon to talk about Dial of Destiny. Like we said, we're excited about it, but we're also prepared to be let down. <laughs>
All right. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on the Indiana Jones franchise? Are you excited for Dial of Destiny? Did you know that in Latin, Jehovah starts with an I? <laughs> Anything you say, we'll read on the show and write to it live in our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this big episode. This was a super fun one to do. We'll see you next time. Have a great rest of your week. And just like my good friend Indy, I hate snakes. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Nazis. I hate those guys. I'm attracted sexually to Harrison Ford's chest. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs>